Well, why don't you grab the hand of the person next to you, lift it high in the air, and we're going to say this declaration together on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Lord, thank you for victory, joy. Speak, God. We are listening to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give someone a high five. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on. Vision. You know, this morning, I want to talk to you about fixing your focus. Fixing your focus. Title of the message today is Fix Your Focus. I got a pair of binoculars with me up on stage today. And I remember when I was a kid climbing up in the treehouse that was in my parents' backyard. And um, I would get up high and I would look through those binoculars to see what I could see way out there. I see you up there. I see what you're doing up there. I'm just kidding. You guys are all leaning in, listening to the word. But you could see further with a pair of binoculars than just with your normal eyes. You could see clear. But how many of you know one little twist or turn of this thing in the middle and it can throw off your focus? It can make the image blurry. It can cause you not to see clearly uh, uh, beyond what you're supposed to be able to see. And I think about how in our lives, really, our focus determines our fate. Our focus really determines where we're going to end up. That what are we focusing on, whatever you're focusing on, is going to uh, move you in that direction. My son Liam showed me this lately, that he has gotten excited about candy. And anytime he sees some candy, all of a sudden he gets focused in. And he will literally, like unrelentlessly uh, go after me and just be like candy, 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 right? Recently, Ashley and I, we got a ice cream uh, cup and we were eating the ice cream and the second he saw it, it was time for him to go to bed, but he would not go to bed until we gave him a bite of our ice cream. He was focused on the ice cream. I remember in my life going on a mission trip and I was flying to Mexico and, and on the way to Mexico, our flight started going like this, our airplane, turbulence, right? Just a little bit of turbulence threw everybody off in the plane. We were no longer enjoying the flight. We were all ready to get on the ground, right? Our focus had all of a sudden been thrown off. Now we were worried. We were freaking out. I was praying in the spirit, right? Then when I landed, get this, I land in Mexico City and I missed the next flight. I didn't know how to speak Spanish, so nobody could comprehend me. No comprende. Then I didn't know where my bags were. They had lost my bags. Uh, I didn't have an international phone, so I couldn't call anyone to help me. I was stranded in Mexico City. And my focus was off. I was worried. I was freaking out. I was thinking, what's going to happen? And I started to pray. I said, God, please send someone to help me. So God led me to this person. I, I literally felt like I was supposed to go talk to this person. I find out her name is Alejandra. And she says, uh, Pablo, I am going to help you. So we began to, you know, Spanglish our way through a solution. She's speaking a little bit of English. I'm trying to speak Spanish. And uh, she's laughing because I'm like, uh, where's my baggies, uh, baggies, um, luggage? And she was like, what? And I, like, I'm terrible at Spanish. But the main point was this. All of a sudden, a solution started happening. I didn't know where my bags were. She said, Paul, we've located your bags. They're in Mexico City. I was like, okay, where in Mexico City? She goes, we do not know, but we know they are in Mexico City. 
we are going to get you on a flight. Trust us. We will get the bags to you. You need to go to your gate. And so I started going to my gate. I'm praying, Lord, you know, I've got all my stuff in that luggage. I, I need your help. And sure enough, Alejandra located a person that could help me. I was saying, God, please help bring someone across our path that's going to help me find that luggage. We were looking in all the rooms. We were looking in rooms that no one else had looked in, bags that had probably been there for years. Maybe some of your bags that got lost one day years ago were sitting in that room. But God brought the right person across our path. In fact, the guy's name was Jesus. And I go, thank you, Jesus. Gracias, Jesus. Jesus helped me get my focus back on why, why I was there. Jesus goes, Pablo, I'm going to find your bag. Jesus found my bag, got me on the right flight. I got to Mexico City. But I realized in that moment that it's so easy to lose focus by the conditions and the circumstances that, that surround us. That all the time in our lives, we are constantly running into circumstances, running into conditions that try to push back our hope, push back our faith, try to twist our focus to get our eyes off of the mission and the vision and to get our eyes on uh, 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 what's happening around us, what's right in front of us. There's a passage in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter six, and I want us to go there right now. Yeah, we get loud when we open up the word. Come on, somebody. 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's a passage about vision, the ability to see beyond the current. And in chapter 6, verse 8, it says the king of Aram was at war with Israel. He would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, everybody say immediately. Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha knew where the enemy was going to attack, and he would alert the Israelites where to be. Isn't that powerful that Elisha was so in tune with the Holy Spirit? that he knew where to be, when to be there, and where not to be, and how to avoid the uh, attacks of the enemy. How many think it's important to hear the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of God? You know, the ability to see into the supernatural is part of our Christian walk. We're, we're called not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith, right? We're called to walk in a prophetic realm, not a pathetic realm, a prophetic realm. God wants you to see beyond what the normal eye can see. Elisha was so in tune with God, but Elisha didn't develop this ability to hear God's voice and to speak what God was saying just by doing a normal life. Elisha would spend time in God's presence so that he could tap into the prophetic realm. You don't tap into the prophetic realm being able to see beyond the natural by just hanging out with whoever you want to be. You've got to spend time in God's presence. God gave Elisha public power because he had private prayer. Private prayer produces public power. Let's say that together. Private prayer produces public power. Let's say it again. Private prayer produces public power. In other words, it's not just when you come to church, although that is awesome. But I want to encourage you this week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that you would spend time praying to God. Prayer is not just you talking. It's listening to God too. See, Elisha was so in tune with God that he knew where to be 
and when to be there. God has direction for you. College students, singles, married couples, young, old, God has direction for you. Open doors and opportunities, favor. He wants to set you up, but you've got to spend time in prayer so that you can walk in power. Elisha knew where to be. Now watch what happens next. Then the king of Aram got angry. He, he, he pulled his uh, guys to the side, verse 11. He was so upset. He said, guys, which one of you is the traitor? Who keeps informing uh, Israel where we're going to be and when we're going to be there? Who's, who's telling on us? And they said, it's not us, my lord, the king. It's Elisha, the prophet, the man of God in Israel. He tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Whoo! <laughs> That's scary right there. That he was so in tune with the spirit that he knew words that nobody else knew except for the king of Aram. See, I remember when I was younger, there would be times where my mom like knew stuff that was going on in my life or my brother's life. <laughs> And, and, and we would come home and she'd be like, where have you been? I'm like, Walmart. She's like, no, you weren't at Walmart. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. That'll put the fear of God and the fear of mom in your life. Knowing that they've been spending time in prayer. They just know things that you weren't there that you said, right? Elisha was so in tune with God. He knew things. And so the king gets angry. He goes, enough is enough. We're not going to let this guy do this. By the way, the enemy is not intimidated by how much time you spend in God's presence. Don't just think that when you leave church, the enemy's going to back off and go, we're not going to mess with them. They went to church. No, the enemy almost gets even more intense when you start stepping up your walk with God, right? When you start leaning in, reading your Bible, praying, you start tapping into the prophetic realm. The enemy goes, hold on. We got to stop this guy. We got to stop this girl. But don't be intimidated by the enemy's advancing. See, Elisha was not driven by the enemy's uh, moves. Elisha was set on what God was doing in and through his life. Stay set on what God's doing. You don't have to worry about what the enemy's going to do. The enemy said, go and find where Elisha is. Verse 13, the king says, I'm going to send troops and we're going to surround him and seize him. So the report came back. Elisha is in Dothan. So that night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and many horses to surround the city of Dothan. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside he looked around. Whoa! Whoa! Hey! Whoa! 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 Elisha, they're all around us. We're surrounded by the enemy. There's troops everywhere. There's horses. There's chariots. What are we going to do now? Look at that right there. Oh, Elisha, what are we going to do? See, this man looked out through his binoculars and all he could see was the enemy staring him down. Everybody say, fix your focus. I think so often we are clouded by the current. The current is overriding and overwhelming our vision to see beyond. In the medical world, when someone has nearsighted focus, they call it myopia. And I looked up, what does myopia mean? It is a condition in which the visual images come to the focus in the front of your retina, giving you a defective vision of distant images. Look at that. A defective vision of distant 
objects. In other words, you are so focused on what's right in front of you that you can't see beyond a lack of foresight or discernment, a narrow view of something. When I read that, that's Webster's, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, I realized this happens spiritually in our lives too. There is such thing as spiritual myopia, that you are so clouded by the current circumstances, by how things look that are right in front of you, that it's so hard to see beyond what God wants to do and can do in you, for you, and through you. We serve a God who wants to help you. We serve a God who wants to rescue you. We serve a God who wants to take you from good to great, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Where you are right now is not your permanent condition. God has greater things for your family, greater things for your marriage, greater things for the singles in this house, greater things for your finances, greater things for your health. Don't get clouded by the current. Don't get clouded by what's currently in front of you. This servant of Elisha was overwhelmed by the current. Everywhere he looked, all he could see was no way out. There's no way out. There's no way out. I mean, look at the things. What are we going to do now? That was his question. What are we going to do now? Don't you see what's going on, Paul? I mean, look at America. What are we going to do now? Look what's happening from the White House and what's happening in our schools and what's happening in our nation. What are we going to do now? And I love Elisha's response. Elisha is not intimidated by the army that's surrounding him. Elisha is not intimidated by his servant's question, what are we going to do now? Watch what Elisha says next in verse 16. He says, don't be afraid. That's my word for you this morning. Don't be afraid. It's almost like Elisha walks outside the tent, the same place that his servant has walked out of. Elisha stretches looks around at all the armies, the troops, the horses, the chariots, just starts whistling. His servant's looking at him like, are you kidding me? Look around. I'm going to die. Look at this. He's whistling over here, this optimistic. What is he talking about? And Elisha's just looking at his servant who's freaking out at the current conditions of their country, who's freaking out at the current temporary conditions that are happening. And Elisha's like whistling. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Those that are with us are more than those that are against us. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Church, can I tell you something today? Don't be afraid. For there are more on your side than there are that are against you. When you look at our country, what do you see? When you look at your life, what do you see? That's the question of this series. What do you see? What do you see when you look at your kids? What do you see when you look at your parents? What do you see when you look at your health, your finances, your church, your pastor, your boss, your coworkers, your employees? What do you see when you look at your future? What do you see when you look at your present? What do you see? Because what you see is going to determine how you live. And if all you see is what's right in front of you, you will miss the deliverance that God has set up on the other side of what's right in front of you. Don't get caught in spiritual myopia. Don't just be staring at what's right in front of you. Paul, all I see is debt. All I see is lack. All I see is, is my marriage is on the rocks. I don't know how we're going to get through this. But Elisha sees something else. Elisha sees something beyond what's right in front of him. This servant is so overwhelmed by the current. See, today I want you to fix your focus, not just on the potential of what God can and wants to do in your life,
But even fix your focus on the potential of what God wants to do in and for the lives that are around you. Mom and dad, they used to lay hands on me, John, Sarah, and Ruthie, and, 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 and they would speak words that weren't necessarily happening right then in our lives. They would say, peaceful, Paul. I wasn't very peaceful. They would say, joyful, John. He wasn't very joyful. They would say, Sarah, Ruthie, you are leaders. You are speakers. You are daughters of the Most High. You are bold. You are missionaries. And at that time, none of us were doing any of the things that they were speaking over us, right? I mean, our current present behavior was not the words they were speaking over us, but what were they doing? They were fixing their focus, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. I feel to speak to a single parent mom right now whose child is not doing what you wish he or she was supposed to be doing. Stop focusing on the current condition and look beyond. God's got a calling on his life. See, Elisha looked at him. He said, don't be afraid. In fact, verse 17, Elisha prays this prayer. He says, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Open his eyes, not his natural eyes, but his supernatural eyes. If you're going to see something come to pass in the natural, you're going to have to see it in the supernatural first. Open his eyes to see. That's the prayer that he was praying. My prayer for you today is that your eyes would see the potential on your life that God has for you, on your kids' lives, on your parents' lives, on your friends' lives. There was a family that found this young boy who had been bouncing around from foster home to foster home. He had grown up in a, in a very impoverished house. His mom was an alcoholic, a drug addict. His dad was in and out of prison. And he had really gotten into a lot of trouble. He had bounced between 12 different schools. But finally, this couple found him when he was about a sophomore. And they said, there's potential on your life, Michael. God's got a plan for you. They were a Christian couple. They began to minister to Michael in Memphis, Tennessee. And they began to just put them in, in, in church services and in Bible study groups. Finally, they, they enrolled them in a Christian school and the headmaster at that school began to just take notice on Michael, teaching him, uh, helping him get up to the level that other students were at. Then he started playing football. They said, Michael, you've got a calling on your life to be a light out on the football field. Today, Michael is a Super Bowl champion. He went on to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Now he plays for the Panthers. They made a movie about Michael. Oh. Michael Orr's life called The Blind Side, all because one couple saw the potential in Michael before it was there. They looked past the current and they said, no, there's something beyond this. There's something beyond the current circumstances that I'm seeing. There's something beyond the current problems that I'm seeing. Stop seeing people's problems and start seeing their potential. Stop seeing your kids' problems. Start seeing their potential. Stop seeing your husband's problems. Start seeing his potential. Stop seeing the problems at your work start seeing the potential let me just say it over this stop seeing the problems in America start seeing the potential for America I see a nation that's on the verge of revival I see potential that God's raising up candidates God's raising up leaders they're gonna lift up the standard that are gonna bring righteousness and revival into our country that the next generation is gonna declare the Word of God to their generation I see potential in our country. I see potential in our church. We're not going to hell in a handbasket. We're gonna have revival in our country. As long as I'm alive, I'm gonna see potential in my future. As a church, we've got to speak into the future. We've gotta speak life 
into the future. We've got to speak prophetically into the future of our children, into the future of our grandchildren, into the future for singles in the room. Start speaking prophetically of what God is going to bring to you, that God has the right spouse for you. He's got kids that he wants to uh, bring through you. For those that are believing for children, God's going to do it. I want to just pause for a moment, speak prophetically into this service. Daniel Carney, God's got a calling on your life. You're doing great things, but I'm telling you, God has even greater things in store. God has greater things for your ministry. God has greater things for you. God has greater things for you. In, in, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray for each person in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do something fresh. Lord, I pray right now for Alex Fott. I don't know if he's here, but his parents are here. I believe, God, you have great things for Alex, that you're going to use him as a light. You're going to use him as a leader. You're going to use him as a witness. Lord, I thank you for those that are sitting in the far back that, God, you have incredible plans and potential that they haven't even seen yet that's in front of them, that greater doors of opportunity and favor are coming their way. See, don't, don't, don't miss this. God sees you. God sees you. And when he looks at you, he doesn't look at the current you. He looks at what he's called you to be. And he sees you stepping into those plans. I went to Nicaragua during spring break and I came across this coffee shop and I met the owners of the coffee shop, this young couple, they were missionaries and they began to tell me their story. They said, we moved here about five, six years ago and when we came here, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't have any plans to build a church or a Bible school. We were just going to come and minister to people, not in the capital city of Nicaragua, but one of the other cities with about 50,000 people. We were just going to reach out. And so we were staying in this house and, and we started making coffee because we knew how to make coffee. We had worked at coffee shops back in Ohio. So we started making coffee out of our house, selling coffee. And people started coming to their house, buying their coffee, buying their coffee beans. And so they started a little business. Well, this one alcoholic homeless man kept walking past their house every day, asking for beer, asking if they would give him money for alcohol. And they just said, you know, we don't have that. We, we're not selling that here. We, we're not going to do that, but we'll give you coffee. Well, this man opened up to him. And he told them that he had lost everything, that his wife had left him, his kids no longer talked to him, that he had ended up on the streets, and that he used to not be this way. They, they asked him, what's your name? He said, my name is Beto. They said, Beto, God has a plan for your life. God wants to restore what the devil's tried to steal. We believe in you, Beto. What did you used to be before you were homeless? He said, I used to be a cobbler. I would make shoes and I would uh, make all kinds of different things. They said, Beto, we want you to come into our shop and begin taking our coffee bags and make shoes out of our coffee bags that the beans have been in. Make purses, make bags. And so Beto began to do this in their story. He began to make bags. He began to make shoes. He began to make purses. And people started coming through, buying these shoes, buying these bags buying these purses. The day came where Beto decided, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Beto gave his life to Jesus. He went back to his wife and his children who had cut him off. He told them about what has been happening, that he found a job working with these missionaries in Nicaragua, working in this town at this coffee shop. His wife and his children gave their lives to the Lord. Then, get this, his grandchildren. He brought them to church. He led them to the Lord. Three generations in Beto's family goes to church and has given their lives to Jesus because one young missionary couple decided to see potential in a homeless alcoholic man's life to say, God's not finished with you yet. 
Today, that company has five different locations. They've got 16 full-time employees right there in that town. There was a picture of them. You saw, it's, it's now called Beto's Coffee. Beto's Coffee. They named it after Beto because they saw potential in that man's life. What do you see when you look at those that are around you? Do you just call it like you see it? Do you just call it like you see it with your dad, with your mom, with your son, with your daughter, with your husband, with your wife, as a single, at your job, where you're living right now? Or do you see beyond the current? See, Elisha saw something that this man couldn't see. Elisha was able to see that there's potential on the other side of what I'm walking through. I've got a question for you today. What is blinding your vision to see beyond the current? What is blinding your vision to see beyond the current? See, that man, he couldn't see it. Elisha was praying, Lord, open his eyes. I need some help this morning. I got six helpers that are coming up here. I need you guys to run up here and give these guys a big hand as they're coming up here. Six big guys here today. And I think oftentimes we invite those things that block our vision. That it's not even the enemy that is, you know, trying to... Uh, Obviously, the enemy does come against us, but I think oftentimes it's our own perspective on the circumstances that we're facing, that we allow things to cloud our vision. Why don't you guys come in and get real close around me? I think sometimes we are blinded by comparison. Comparison. Get close and shoulder to shoulder. I want you to block my ability to see. Yeah, just circle around me. That morning when they woke up, they couldn't see anything. They were blinded by the enemy that had surrounded them. Oftentimes we're blinded by comparison. If I was just like him, if I had their family, if I had their education, if I, if I had their connections, then I'd be able to find a way out of the mess that I'm in. Sometimes we're blinded by pride. Paul, I'm afraid to step out. What if I risk it and I fail? What are people gonna think of me? Pride holds us back from trusting in God. Pride holds us back from believing that maybe God has more. Sometimes we're blinded by fear, fear of the unknown. Uh, fear of, of, of what people are going to think about us. What if, what if I fail? What are people going to say about me? What are they going to think about me? Stress and worry. Paul, don't you see what's going on? I mean, they've been laying people off left and right in my job. I just don't think there's a way out. Then oftentimes our vision is clouded with shame. Shame holds us back from seeing that maybe God does forgive us. And with shame, we're constantly looking in the rearview mirror that all I see are the regrets of my past. Paul, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of the decisions I've made. I can't see a way out of this. I mean, I've made so many mistakes. I'm not like them. And then lack, lack, it drives this sense of apathy. It drives this sense of hopelessness. Apathy is, I've lost my drive, I've lost my energy, I no longer even care to wake up in the morning. Have you ever been there before? You just don't even want to get out of bed because life has so weighed you down. You are so discouraged by the enemy. I want you guys to get even tighter, closer. It's almost like you're trapped. You're trapped by the enemy. All over this room, I want you to just raise your hand if you've ever felt trapped by circumstances. Trapped by the conditions. Yeah, all over this room. Shame, fear, comparison, apathy, lack. I don't have the resources, Paul. I don't have the money. If only someone would help me out, but I, I just don't see anybody that's for me. All I can see is the enemy that's against me. The odds have been stacked against me, Paul. This is really how the servant felt. He wanted to see, but he just couldn't see. 
Elisha was able to see beyond. And for a moment, I want you guys to stay right where you are, but just bend down a little bit. Somehow Elisha was able to see like a giraffe over everything else. And Elisha, where's my binoculars? Will you pass me those binoculars back there? Elisha was able to look beyond. He had his focus right. And he said, hold on, hold on. I see more that are for us than those that are surrounding us. I, I see angels out there. I see the Holy Spirit. I see God's on my side. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now stand back up. The servant couldn't see it. He said, Elisha, I, I don't see what you see. I don't see the breakthrough. I don't see the angels. I don't see the, the help of God. All I see is the circumstances clouded by the current. I need two strong guys to come up behind these guys. Two strong guys. Where are my two strong guys at? Y'all stay right here. Stay tight here. Give these two strong guys a big hand. Come on, somebody. By the way, these guys aren't the enemy. These are good men of God right here. I feel good with these guys right here. But what Elisha was going to help this man to do was to elevate his focus. I want you guys to come into the circle. You guys stay right where you are, tight around me. But I want you guys to lift me up above the circumstances. Lift me up above these guys. Here we go. Come on, somebody. Now we're talking. Where's my binoculars at? Now you guys try to get tight. Try to close in around me. But somehow I'm able to see beyond what's right in front of me. I'm able to see. Oh, wow. They're all the way up in section C. I got angels. There's way more for me than there are against me. See, God was opening the eyes of the servant's heart that day. I want you to catch this. Keep holding me. I want you to catch this. There you go. These guys are strong. How do you elevate your focus? How do you fix your focus? How do you elevate it above the circumstances? It's through prayer, through praise. It's through going to church and it's through worship. It's through reading the Word of God and it's through applying the Word of God. See, when you begin to get those spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, being around people of faith, all of a sudden your focus gets elevated. You stop just seeing the layoffs and you start seeing the opportunities. You stop just seeing the lack and you start seeing the provision. You stop just seeing the comparison and you start seeing God's made me uniquely and wonderfully made. He's put angels around. You start seeing the great cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on. Hey, Dad, I know you cheer me on this morning. You stop seeing what's wrong with people and you start seeing what's right. You stop living with this sense of shame and you start walking in this mercy and this grace. You stop feeling discouraged by the circumstances and you start encouraging yourself in the Lord. God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he who lives in me than he that lives in the world. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says that God opened his eyes and he looked up. Look at that part right there. When he looked up, he saw that the, the hillside around him and Elisha were filled with horses and chariots. This morning, I'm looking at horses and chariots. You know what he was saying? I see God's angel army. That When I see that word chariots of fire, I'm not thinking about the movie chariots of fire. 
I'm thinking about on Pentecost that day when tongues of fire fell down on the disciples' heads, that the Holy Spirit, the strengthener, the helper, the encourager, the empowerment comes underneath us and says, hold on, this ain't the end of the road. This ain't your first rodeo. You've been through this before. If God did it back then, he can do it again. He's going to provide. Jehovah Jireh is on your side. El Shaddai watches over you. You got an angel with you right now. Give these guys a big hand. Church, hear me when I say this. Whatever you're facing right now, it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. It might seem discouraging. You might seem overwhelmed. You might feel like there's nothing that's going to change. But I'm telling you, look a little bit further. See, when you're looking down, you don't see what's on the other side. When you're looking back, but Paul, look, I mean, I got so many skeletons in my closet. If they only knew what I've done, if they only knew my mistakes, my failures, my, my moral failures, I couldn't, God can't use me. He can't do a miracle in my life. I've blown it in my past. But see, the God that I read about in the Bible specializes on using people who got a lot of skeletons in their closet. I mean, Moses, the deliverer of, of Israel out of Egypt, he murdered somebody before God used him. Paul the apostle killed tons of people. And God said, I'm going to use that guy. Paul said, don't tell him about how many people I killed though. See, you, you have clouded your vision with shame of your past. God's saying, I don't use you based on what you've done in your past. I don't use you based on what you measure up to about the person next to you. Comparison has clouded your vision. I'm not going to use you based on how many resources you currently have. Lack has clouded your vision. See, we serve a God who's not bankrupt up in heaven. The economy of heaven is in full swing. Business is booming up there. God says, I've got more than enough to take care of your needs. And I'm not a God who's with limited grace. My mercies are new every morning. If you only ask me for forgiveness, I will shower you with mercy and grace. So if you've missed it, call on the name of the Lord who saves you, who wants to help you and propel you towards your destiny. We've got to fix our focus. Watch what happens. Once they start to see, right? His servant begins to see, oh, wow, there's so much more for us. Verse 18, it says that the Aramean army then advanced towards them. And leave that scripture up there because here's what happens. Sometimes we think, well, now that I got the vision, it's all going to work out. But the enemy doesn't care if you have the vision. They're going to keep advancing against you. Like when you walk out the doors of this church, the enemy's not leaving. <laughs> You're like, oh, snap, I forgot about that. <laughs> the collectors are still coming, right? But now you've got fresh hope. You've got fresh faith. You've got a refocused perspective. You're no longer overwhelmed by the circumstances. You're not just caught up in the current. All of a sudden you're seeing beyond, we're going to get through this. We're going to pay the bills. God's got us. We're going we're gonna to get through this. This is not the end. I'm going to get hired again. I, God's got the job for me. Don't, don't get caught up in what's happening right here. We're going to get the electricity back on. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. I'm telling you. But how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? Right? That's what the servant kept asking Elisha. How's it going to happen? How's America going to get out of this mess? How are we going to finally get things fixed? Elisha said, stop looking at the current as Christians, we oftentimes forget that we've been called to walk by faith and not by sight. Stop freaking out like Chicken Little going, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, America's gonna die, we're all gonna die. Stop it! 
Pull yourself together, young man of God. Pull yourself together, young woman of God. God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with this church yet. He's not finished with this country yet. Stop letting the current dictate your faith. I love how Elisha doesn't allow the conditions to dictate his courage. His courage is not determined by whether the, the conditions change. That means that even if the conditions get worse for you, you don't have to lose your courage. Your health might go down, but your courage can still go up. The economy might go down, but your courage can still go up because you know the God who sees beyond the other side. You know that he's going to work all things together for good. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. If we'll just turn the knob a little bit and fix our focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. My hope is not in this country. My hope is not in who's elected as officer. My hope is not in what company hires me. My hope is not in what they do to me or what they say. My hope is in the author and the finisher of my faith. And from what I can see, he's still seated on the right hand of God. He's still on the throne. He still rules and reigns. He's still got a plan for my life. He hasn't thrown out the word. And God, I'm telling you this morning right now, don't miss this. God is not finished with you or your family or your future family yet. There was a man in the Great Depression whose mom and dad worked in the cotton farming industry. And they lost their jobs. Things got worse and worse. They had to pick up new jobs and they were even lucky to find a job. They were making 10 cents an hour at their jobs. They lived below the poverty line. Their whole family had never broken out of poverty. From his parents' generation, his uh, grandparents' generation, they had never broken out of poverty. He didn't know one person in his family that had ever gotten out of poverty. They'd always been poor. But John Osteen, when he was 17 years old, gave his life to Jesus. And he said, God, I, I believe you've got a calling on my family to get out of poverty and to be a blessing to the nations. Just like you blessed Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. God, I'm asking you to pull my family, our, my future kids and my grandkids out of poverty to be a blessing to the nations. Now we know John Osteen's son, Joel Osteen, who's leading Lakewood Church, being a blessing to the nations with the gospel all across television in every nation. Guys, I'm telling you, it started with one man who looked beyond the current. I don't want you to just look beyond the current for your life. I want you to look beyond the current for people's lives next to you. I want you to look beyond the current for your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. I'm saying into the fourth and fifth generation, God has a plan for your family. Look beyond. See the potential that God has. The incredible thing about this passage is that the whole war is won with the weapon of vision. Not one casualty happens. Not one person is shot with an arrow or stabbed with a sword. In fact, nobody dies and the enemy loses. Here's why. Because God takes away the vision of the enemy and gives vision to the to to his uh, to his prophet and to that man of God the whole war is won with the weapon of vision one of your greatest weapons against the enemy is the weapon of vision the ability to see beyond we're gonna get through this we're gonna make it we're gonna make it fix your focus fix your focus God's got us he's got me he's got you after my father passed, I was so discouraged in that moment about my life, about just 
looking at the future, I just didn't have the hope that I needed to have. I was afraid for our church. I was, I was afraid. I, I knew God was going to take care of things. I knew mom was going to do a great job, and she did. She's done an awesome job. But in that moment, yeah, give her a big hand. So thankful for you, mom. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Sometimes when you are hit with things in life, like that, that young man waking up and looking out and seeing the enemy surrounding him, all of a sudden it's like you're wondering what's going to happen? What are we going to do? I remember putting a, a song in my car on repeat on my iPod. I, was, I just kept the song on repeat. I would listen to it over and over. And um, it was a song that I, I had found in high school. I used to listen to it all the time. It was the song that really got me turned on to gospel music. Kirk Franklin's CD. Come on, Kirk Franklin. And this last week, as I was preparing this message, I just kept thinking about this song that oftentimes we forget, God's got me. He's got me. He's holding me together. He's going to carry me through this. There's, there's potential on the other side. I'm going to make it. So you don't have to worry. And don't you be afraid. Because joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. For there's a friend in Jesus who can wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand no matter what may come my way my life is in your hands with Jesus I can take it with him I know I can stand no matter what may come my way my life is in your hands so if you test and trials they seem to get you down friends and loved ones they are nowhere to be found remember there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away and if your heart is broken just lift your hands and say I know that I can make it I know that I can stand no Come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, I can take it. With Him, I know I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. See, what we're doing right now is we're elevating our focus. We're elevating our focus this morning. We're coming up a little higher going, no, 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 no. This is not where it ends. There's light at the other end of the tunnel. I'm going to get through this. See, I'm not just talking to those who are in a dark place. I'm even talking to those that are in a good place. Don't miss this message. You say, well, Paul, I'm not really discouraged. I mean, my life's going good. 
But see, God is the one who coined the phrase good to great. He wants to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. It might be good right now, but don't get caught in apathy. Don't get blinded by, Paul, I just don't really have a, a vision to go further. I mean, this is, this is as good as it gets. No, it's not. God has even greater things for your finances, even greater things for your business, even greater things for your marriage, even greater things as a single. He's got even greater opportunities, greater op uh, uh, provision, greater blessings. God wants to use you in greater ways, but you got to get up. You got to get up and go, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. God has more for you. Not for your glory, not for your glory, but for his glory. Sometimes you just have to see it in your spirit. You just have to get it in there. There's more. Look past the doctor's report. Look past the divorce papers. Look past the unemployment. Look past that relationship tension between you and that person. Look past, there's, God's gonna heal it, he's gonna restore. God's got greater things for you, greater ideas, greater inventions. I believe out of this church, there's gonna be a billion dollar ideas that are gonna change our world, that are gonna fund the kingdom of God and the gospel will be preached in every nation. I believe there's missionaries in this church that God's gonna send to plant Bible schools and churches and build orphanages and, 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 and build dream centers in other cities and other states. I believe people in this room are gonna start schools and start hospitals and start, uh, uh, do all kinds of incredible things, but we've gotta see beyond, see beyond. Fix your focus, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. In order to endure the unendurable, you have to see the invisible. In order to endure the unendurable, you have to tap into the invisible. You have to see beyond. God has a way. There is potential in my son. There's potential in this family. There's potential for your parent, for your husband, for your wife, for your parent. Lord, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes all over this room. If you're here today and maybe you felt trapped, by the circumstances, clouded by the current. The conditions have tried to dictate your courage. The conditions have tried to dictate your vision. And today you're saying, no, no, no. I am fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing my focus. I am not going to live below the circumstances. I'm rising above. I am elevating my focus through prayer, through worship, through praise, through the reading of the word, through the confessing of the word, through the listening to the word this morning. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up. If you today say, I need to fix my focus. I need to fix my focus. I need God to fix my focus that my eyes would look towards Jesus with faith yeah hands going up all over this room today you're saying yeah I've been I've been bogged down by fear I've been bogged down by lack I've been bogged down by the current conditions in our country by the current conditions in my house by the current conditions all I see all I hear is negativity but today God is raising up a voice of faith saying you don't live in victim church you go to victory church you are not discouraged today is your day you are more than a conqueror maybe you're here today and you say Paul I'm not right with Jesus I need to surrender my life to God today I'm tired of running I'm tired of being that prodigal person 
Today I'm coming back home to the Father's love. He loves you. He forgives you. His mercy is new today. If that's you, maybe you're watching online, make that decision right now. Just slip your hand up saying, that's me today. I need to surrender to Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. Across this room. If you raised your hand for either of those, would you find a place at this altar right now? Take a bold step and come down and meet me and our pastors and our team and our connect group leaders down at this altar right now. Just find a spot right here at this altar. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to lay hands on you. We want to believe for healing for you. In Jesus' name, victory. That your mind is being renewed. In Jesus' name, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're not just going to survive. You're going to thrive. You're going to thrive. You're going to thrive. You're going to thrive, Jared. You're going to thrive, Nathan. You're going to thrive, Ryan and Gail. You're going to thrive. God has greater things for you. God has greater things for you. You have not even seen. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has perceived the things that God 